Hey y'all, it's Bowen here, and this is part of a series of conversations that I'm putting out on my Substack, which is called Decide Nothing. I love having the opportunity to work on the topics that I write about with other people. And so here you'll find us exploring subjects such as what it's like to be a man, how we become who we are, how to connect with intuition and the subconscious, relationships, love, sexuality, passion, addiction, and depression, and most of all, how to become ourselves as much as possible. In this episode, I talk with my friend Michael Roddy McDowell, a former Navy pilot instructor who now flies wide-body commercial jets and is also a year into a Master of Social Work program at NYU. He's one of the most interesting guys that I know and also one of the first people to come into my life directly by way of my writing. I'm honored and very happy to share with you our conversation about becoming ourselves, depression, how we practice relating, somatic sensing and expression, and the periodic table of love. Enjoy. That's why I wanted to have you on, because when I first first came across you, this is your rock star status as a pilot, right? (laughs) This is like your your ace, your your goose, your roddy, right? Goes back to that. I was like, this guy is interesting. First of all, pilots are always interesting, and I, you know. (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) Pilots are always interesting, and and I'm a pilot too, or have been at least. You know, completely different kind of pilot. Right. Um, but you know, you're a jet pilot, Navy jet pilot, and a and a wide body commercial jet pilot. Yeah. And wow, what like eight year old boy isn't impressed with that? And um, mm. you know, I mean myself, of course. And and then when I learned that you were beginning to embark upon this next chapter of your life to train as a therapist. Mm. I thought, no, well, that makes for an inter- a really interesting combination. It's funny when you're in a when you're in a ready room, you know, full of, as you would see it, uh, rock stars. I think one doesn't maybe understand their rock star status, and plus the climate of that sort of masculinity and that kind of locker room. I don't know that it was even being humble, but I think it was so much something that I missed about you know, what I did. And it was a, it was a necessary acknowledgement of my own rock star status to feel like, Hey, I can actually even show up in the world with some sort of validity, veracity to claims that I made or who I am as a person. So I, I really appreciate that with the most humble gratitude. Well, and then what's kind of funny about this relationship is that I viewed you as a rock star. You thought I was a rock star. Right. Fuck well, it. I mean, Excellent. I'm like, at least this guy's a writer. I think there was actually an aspect to, of myself. I, too, want to write in a way that's just like so flowing and so real, right, is that as I'm having a conversation with somebody, and it was just the way that you were talking. And so I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah, this and is amazing. See, it's the guitar. People learn guitar, like electric guitar, to get girls, right? And yeah. what happened to me is I learned like to write poetry, and I got guys. <laughs> <laughs> May I offer you a reframe? <laughs> you got brothers. Yes. And just that sense of freedom to be self. You know, in my pathology, I was never enough. There was like this inadequacy, and we all kind of walk around with an inadequacy, but like... It's actually a cloak, I think, for me. And, yeah. and you know this, knowing me. And it was that that hike that we did um, about a year ago yeah, or so. Yeah, it was just over, yeah, just a year ago. And I'm just like, 
I just, dude, I just have so much respect for you. And then, you know, you left me this, you know, brilliant recording and you send it back. And it, that was, I think the pivotal moment of where I started shifting, mm. actually taking the value of who I am as a person and actually allowing that to come out and be in the world and not always be guarded or wearing this cloak of like, I'm, I'm nothing, I'm nobody. And you know, I got to fight against being nothing and nobody I'm adequate. I'm enough. And you know, I'm reminded of that just, you know, sitting here with you right now. And now I can step into that in a very humble way, you know, not moving towards grandiosity, but moving towards what's normal. Presence, yeah. Presence. Normal presence, really. That's the thing, because it should be normal. It is normal, you know, although it's not for so many of us humans, you know, people and and men. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. I could feel it in you, certainly, you know, when we met. Mm -hmm. And I've felt it myself many times, too. Tentative, guarded, kind of a maybe. Yeah, yeah about who you were right um and you know again sort of right or wrong you know i did assign some weight you know these skills and experience from past Mm -hmm. um i mean flying jet planes is like it's just a very you know hardcore skill and something that takes a lot of practice and dedication and you know it's Mm -hmm. it's real it doesn't necessarily make a person any particular type of person but it's an accomplishment you know, I said this to you just the other day when you're here, you know, that you, you, your, your demeanor, your bearing, your presence is different now. Mm. It's different. You know, I can see it in how you carry yourself physically. I can see it in your, in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I heard it loud and clear last night. Mm. Here's a question for you. Is there a particular time that you felt that you became who you are now? You're in the middle of this program at NYU. You're, you're a year into it. Yeah, the funny thing about being a year into it is I'm really only 15 credits into a 65-credit master's program. What is the result of that program? Gonna, yeah, so in the end, um, I will earn. It's a very important distinction for me. Yeah. To say that I will earn because all of this is earned. Yeah. And you know, I think about get, that in, yeah. in terms of peace of life is where am I now? Yeah. Um, I will earn a master's in social work. Right. And that's really just kind of the beginning. It's a similar with the with really the pilot path is, you know, you one, you know, does the training and gets the license, but really yeah, one yeah. doesn't become a professional pilot. One doesn't become a professional social worker or a therapist until one has put in the hours, right? It's experience, and it, and it is a journey. So, yeah, just the getting from 18 months ago, let's say, to the present. For the longest time, it would be, oh, you know, I did it because of all of you. I did it all because of this community. And really, that takes away from self, yeah, right? It does, yeah. It's that... It's that tentativeness. It's that maybe that you talked about. And I remove something of myself and giving it all to others and saying, well, the only reason I'm here is because of this men's community and the networking and all the people that I've encountered. But yeah, like I almost need to practice sit sitting in the mirror mm-hmm. with myself mm-hmm. rather than receiving the reflections from others Yeah, and saying that you did this. And there's, there's a fear, I think, of my pathology conditioning is like, again, don't get too big for your britches, you know, you big head, narcissistic, grandiose. Um, yeah, so, like, I am allowing that to seep in, really, into my cells and actually um, 
embody it. You know, that's such a, such an important thing for me to do in each moment, um, to embody. What's something that you've learned about yourself in this last several months that's, that's changed how you live, like how you are on a daily basis? I think the interesting thing that I'm noting about learning is, um, it's a, you know, just like in the airplane, it's a comprehensive thing. You know, we don't just go in and go, okay, this is, this is how you land a plane, but it's such a combination of so many things. And there's that, um, aha moment or this epiphany. And I think in this last few days, I've had that epiphany, you know, and, you know, we were talking about the other night was that I'm actually, um, it's an excited curiosity about like, Hey, I wonder what's coming next. Where in the past it was Mm -hmm. that tentativeness and maybe in a a subconscious level fearing what's coming next. I hear this change because I've also feel that myself more and more recently being driven, feeling propelled, feeling pushed forward actually by the feeling like myself, by being more in myself, not questioning who I am or what, knowing more who I am and knowing that what and who I've been up to this point has led me to this point. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm here to do is be me. And I mean, I see you very much at that same place. You know, there's nothing else that you're here to do right now at this point. That's this chapter in your life is really your thing, your personal thing. As you were talking, I was, you know, noticing um, just the sensation in my body of this opening of my heart. And I could feel the wetness behind my eyes and, Mm -hmm. you know, the tightness in my throat and a, a warmth in my cheeks and thinking of how deeply I am connected to my sister and the things that I have said to her um, and things that I am feeling in myself is that like, cause I struggled, I struggled. I, I really struggled from when I arrived in New York in September really until now. Um, and the, th- and the thing about that is that as I say to her is like, look at what you've lived through, look at what you can look at what you can do and like really receive that really feel that is that you're resilient, you know, look at everything that you've gone through and you're still here. I mean, you survived. I don't even want to say that you're a survivor in this. I know how much you want to thrive. I know how much I I was going to say, it's like you're a survivor. You're a, you're, you're thriving. Right. You know, there's quite a difference, you know, and there's, fuck there are so many moments where i'm like i am not fucking thriving right now mm-hmm. and you've heard it we you know we've yeah. talked we've had the conversations and that is such a keeping track of the score at every moment and like and what i'm shifting to do is i don't want to keep score anymore mm. um you know i want to see that each day is a beginning and now that's a difficult thing because i have a pattern that wasn't like that so i'm creating this new pattern and we talked about endings last night mm. and I'm just thinking more about the beginnings and that there is no place where I will conclude, you know, that I'm arriving. I mean, really, this is just always 
continuing on a beginning of something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's always like, I, I think I'm really conditioned in my nervous system of takeoff, landing, takeoff, landing, preparation, operate, land. Yeah, complete. it's very mechanical. Yeah, complete. And like what in our emotional life and, you know, in our nervous system is like that. It's the opposite. It's, I mean, you're right. That's a very mechanical conditioning versus a, you know, human, organic, biological yeah. conditioning. That's, yeah, it's, 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 it's tricky. Well, you're, you know, I was thinking about this last night too, that, you know, you are in the process of becoming a totally different person. Some people make more radical changes, you know, than others, right? Yeah. And going from, being a pilot, which is just said very mechanical, right? Very mm. procedural, very rule oriented to being a therapist, right? Which is very organic, psychological, very human. You know, it's about depth and it's about exploration and it's, it's, it never ends. It's an open-ended process mm-hmm. um, of individuation and growth and development, right? It's that's those two are quite opposite. So that's it's a real it's a real stretch, you know. It's a real real stretch that I I see you going through. And so when I, I'm listening to you talk, I'm not hearing with my cognitive brain. I'm mm. hearing with my whole body. There is some sense of being outside and actually witnessing and seeing myself in the way that you're seeing it. And it's like, wow, this really is interesting. And in the past it would be tentative and and maybe trepidation and fear about what's coming next. But I'm just moving into more acceptance of what's coming next. And, you know, just a sidebar of why that we even got into that conversation was, and this is like I'm feeling this fear coming up about shame, but like there is no shame. Like I, I struggle with being low and depressed and having these moments where I'm just like, what the fuck is the point? That absolute feeling of exhaustion with what this is right now. As opposed to the excitement of curiosity of what's coming next and doing something radical and knowing that I have the what I need inside of me to go, all right, I'm depressed. All right, so float in that rip. Be taken by it. And then do something radical and start swimming along the shore or just let it wash you ashore at some point or take, you know, take charge. And so I'm actually like, this sounds weird, but I'm actually looking forward to the next time that I get into that funk into that place because it's like, all right, man, fuck yeah, I got this. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. And I'll call you up because I'll be in that place and I'll forget. And I'll be like, hey, Dwelly. And you'll be like, all right, Roddy. Remember that conversation we had? Right, do something radical or do something. And and this is, I'm glad you brought this up because, well, for one, you just combined or this idea of doing something, doing something radical, Mm -hmm. right? You just connected the larger scale doing something radical in your life, you know, this radical career change to the doing something radical when it comes to depression or just doing something. Both had a, have had a lot of experience with depression. And, you know, we talked about turning over the card, you know, how the, the downward spiral of depression makes it seem like there's just nothing that'll, that'll help. 
because the view from the inside just seems so overwhelming. We all know that there are certain things, at least, that are pretty much guaranteed to help with depression. You go outside, run around, meditate, you know, eat well, basically just take care of your basic wellness, right? But to me, all of those things often seemed impossible or like they just wouldn't make a difference because the scope of the whole thing just seems so overwhelmingly bleak. But the fact is what often happens is in turning over the card, that spiral, you know, a small change even can, can have a radical effect and kind of, and turn, turn that, start that wheel turning in the other direction. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think about turning over the card and maybe turning over another card and another card after that, because, you know, I'm thinking about the the other times or the next time is, okay, I'm going to do something radical. And I'm reminded of that part that I talked about of not keeping score on it is like, let's practice this. And maybe, maybe the success can be that I turned over the card and I turned over the next card and and it can be like, Hey, this is, this is an, this is an outcome because I actually took a step and I broke the pattern. Right. You know, what is my pattern in the past? Like, well, I'm going to do it and it's going to end up the same way or shit. I did this and it didn't work out. And there's I'm finding that advocate come up inside of me so much more, um, clearly, Mm-hmm. And I think more outspoken than the critic, mm-hmm. you know, we all have this critic and you know, what is coming up now? You know, you asked that earlier is so yeah. I'm realizing that that advocate is more present. And so I think what the advocate would say to me is that you turned over the card, mm-hmm. you did something radical, be in that. Yeah. Don't be in the result. Yep. You're still depressed, but I want you to come back and feel into you did something radical. You turned over the card. Just feel that, brother. Yeah. You know, and I think, and and I'm I'm feeling the joy, in my voice, and I'm I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm sensing the wetness behind my eyes. That tells me, that it's fucking true. Yes. Yes. Because my body is saying yes to that. Mm-hmm. So. I'm glad that this is in the library of Congress of my own mind Mm -hmm. that I can go back and listen to it because sometimes I know this from experience that I won't always be there. And so I need this reflection and men so fucking often just go it alone, bro. Don't go it alone, man. I'm, I, I'm not judging you. I want to be with you. I want to help you. You have to do this journey on your own, but I am with you. Let's walk the trail together or fuck. I've walked this trail before. And I think that all of these experiences are just better preparing me to be a guide. I don't want to be anybody's Mm -hmm. therapist. Mm -hmm. You know, there, you and I have had these conversations about words yeah, and we, what these words and mean. And you just said, yeah, guide. That's the word that you're using. Yeah. The thing to me, because everything we need is already inside of us. Mm-hmm. And because I've had these life experiences, when somebody tells me, hey, I'm depressed, I'm just going to guide them deeper into their experience. Because ultimately, we repair ourselves 
by taking the steps. Oh, have you, because how often do men just say, oh, we have you tried this or have you tried that? And so I know when I come to you, Dwelly, and say, bro, I'm in this really dark spot. And be like, remember that conversation we had? What did you say to me? That's an opportunity for me to be reflected yeah. to myself. Well, that's, yeah, the reflection. I mean, the, you know, the doing, you know, that's that's certainly part of it and that's part of life. But the being myself, myself, and the being ourselves has so much for me to do with with expression and reflection, with speaking what's inside and working with that with other people, with having it reflected in creative collaboration Part of how we get to be who we are is in connection with other people. In fact, we, we really only get to be ourselves mostly through connection with other people. We can't be anybody really completely alone, or very few of us can. Yeah, and it's a practice, and you know, we, we all need wins in our life. And, and you know, one of my work statements in my small group, there's men that I sit with each week and we drop in and it's this um, kind of like spotters, you know, if you're in, in the gym. Or and this is what people call a men's group, right? That's what you're describing. Yeah, men's group. Yeah, it's just it, a group of guys. You group of guys get together. And, yeah, okay. Yeah, so like in the gym, it's a spotter or maybe out running. It's a rabbit, you know, the term the rabbit. Pacer. Uh, pacer. Right. Um, and, and, my, and my work statement in that was I practice loving myself Mm -hmm. and one of the men was like what if you remove the practice part and i said well if i'm loving myself i don't know that i necessarily believe that but you know what i can do is to remove one barrier and feel like i can win and and achieve Mm -hmm. is i practice loving myself yeah dude you practiced you did it yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I think that's totally that that's very valid, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's a practice and we get good at what we do. And, you know, you and the corollary is that you can practice anything. Yeah. Right. And but you can't just declare like I can't just declare I'm a writer, you know, or a rock star or a pilot. Mm-hmm. You have to practice. Right. To get there. And yeah, if you don't feel like you're, you know loving yourself enough well you can't just say i am all of a sudden you get you gotta practice yeah i think the 10 listeners that we're gonna get for this podcast, oh, fewer than that fewer. <laughs> um one of them's gonna go but practice makes perfect and i you know <laughs> yeah you just the fuck that fuck the there is list. no practice makes perfect yeah, there's no, no perfect there's like no i'm just perfect, realizing yeah. that there is no end to this. Like it is a continued practice. What I love about, yeah. you know, the Eastern Buddhism and it's like you practice, you don't be, oh, I want to be a better meditator. Yeah. Well, you don't all of a sudden then get to just be a perfect meditator. Right. You know, or be a perfect, whatever it is. Right. No. Yeah. Th- that's funny. Cause you, you know, you, you brought up that, that old set phrase. Um, and I have a thing like, I just don't use, or repeat phrases that I don't align with. So like, I just won't even say it, you know, even now he won't exactly. say it. He's not saying it folks. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying it cause it never even occurs to me. You know, I mean, for me, like, what's deeply embedded in me in this point at this point, like I said, is that, is that everything's a practice mm-hmm. and you know, we get good at what we do 
And also what comes to mind is, well, we don't have that. We don't have time to practice all that many things, you know. So the, the things that we do practice on a re- that we choose to practice on a regular basis, you know, those are the things that we're really going to get good at. So I got another question for you. I mean, are there things that you do on a daily basis or weekly basis? You know, I mean, a lot of people talk about having kind of a strict daily practice. Now, I'm not a believer in strict anything. Okay. <laughs> okay? I do my day, you know, as it comes to me pretty much every single day of the week, month and year. There are certain things, though, that I that I do do on a regular basis. Trail running, writing, yoga, a little bit of meditation, certain other sports, reading, massage, and certainly connection. What comes to mind for you in terms of things that you do practice on a regular basis? So what I'm noticing come up is like this pit in my stomach and just slowing down and feeling into that and and because i've practiced this enough i know that's shame mm-hmm. yeah that's what that's my guess and and i hear i hear the the advocate speak up and say you do better when you practice loving yourself mm. and i hear the critic come up and you know want to say something which is well there you go man see you can't do it and I, f- I feel, I, I sense the fight in me, you know, the fierceness of don't tell me I can't do something. So how fucking beneficial is that for me right now to hear the critic say I can't do that? See, the critic isn't always bad. Oh, yeah. no. He just said teacher, yeah, you can't do it. Fucking watch me do it. So I'm feeling this energy right now. I just I just felt a tingle in my leg. I'm feeling this energy all over my body and I want to like stand up like a rock star and actually move that energy around and take this moment to actually embody that and not cognitively know it, mm-hmm. but like somatically know it in my body is that watch me do it. And I love that all this stuff is coming together because of awareness because of relationship with you, because of relationship with so many other men in my life and this, really this process, this journey, it's been two and a half years since I went to, you know, my first retreat, which, you know, even in a way it wasn't so much as a a retreat as it was an opening and being in a space that I could be free to be me, Mm -hmm. you know, and there was a learning, there was, there was a, I know you don't, I don't particularly like this word, but there was a safety or a holding by these other men in a way that I couldn't hold myself. Mm -hmm. And so I was experiencing that holding of being free. And so now what I'm learning is that I'm able to hold myself, not all the time, but I'm able to hold myself in that free, that space to be free. Mm -hmm. And so watch me, watch me practice loving myself and where that's going to get me. So many things that come to mind for me and what you've just said in the last few minutes. I mean, one is you, you said you, was, you, know, you went on this retreat a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, and you know, some people aren't going to know what you're referring to. Now, I mean, I do. You're talking about a, some sort of men's, men's work retreat, right? Basically a weekend-type thing where yep. a bunch of guys get together and kind of practice, yep. see? And that's what 
because I've done some men's work too. And, you know, there's also women's work and there's all kinds of other groups too. All, we, we all do work in various forms, you know, with each other. You know, people ask me what men's work is, and I say that it's a place to practice relating. Sometimes I also say it's kind of a relational yoga, yeah. right? And you can do that, again, with all, any with another person, with yourself, with groups of, you know, men, women, what have you. Men's work just happens to be guys doing that together. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's how I describe it. So when you talk about practice relating, what comes to mind is... Previously, I would think it's practice relating to other people. Like, well, and somebody's out there going, "Oh yeah, I fucking know how to relate to people." Sure, you know, you have the transactions. What about the part of relating to self? Yeah, self. Well, and, and not just relating, but going deeper in relating. Yes, that's what you know. Practice, so practice going deeper in relating, and then yes, what you just got to relating is expressing, right? Is being ourselves, mm-hmm. and so part of that practice relating is also practice being yourself right and getting more comfortable expressing yourself who you are right and so this clarity starting to come through you more of watch me watch me practice loving myself Mm. that confidence and that voice here that that is kind of born from this experience of of Mm. practice and the thing that you know has shifted in me as well is that I'm realistic about it because mm-hmm. I'm already sensing into there will be days where I didn't practice loving myself. And yet in that awareness, I'll come to the end of the day and I'll say, well, you didn't do this thing. Mm-hmm. You didn't, you didn't practice loving yourself. And then the advocate will say, ah, but you did just then mm-hmm. with the compassion mm. that you expressed to yourself of something that you didn't do. I didn't go on the trail run. Mm. I took a nap instead. <laughs> that was me. Yesterday. And, <laughs> and you know, one of our other brother, you know, Gaynor was on the previous podcast, but his awareness of saying, yeah. And then the weird shame that comes up from that. Right. And like, right. but just notice it. Yeah. Don't build a fucking house there. Don't even pop a tent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just notice yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I fucking built a whole city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that place and fucking stayed there and explored it. Like, what? Right. There, did I need that to teach me something? Yeah. No. I, my inner critic just taught me something, which, like, how can the critic teach you something? Oh, you're not going to do it. Watch me. That was the teaching moment. That's the medicine as one of my yeah. brothers talks about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I received the medicine. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and I see this, this, this huge chapter that you're in, in the middle of now of, of stepping into and writing for yourself, you know, as the, the product of this city of shame that mm. you just described. So I'm just sensing that those two are, th- those are connected and that you um, driven to do something different, driven to change, you know, to make a radical change to, mm-hmm. and, and driven to go inside yourself. Something just came to me. We have finite bodies, but we have infinite experiences. 
infinite possibilities in this human experience. The boy loves flying airplanes. Like I, I I'm feeling the excitement and I, and I have a little, this uh, little Irish cousin, um, and I'm I'm just feeling him and 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 myself or that part of me that's like just like jumping up and down of like oh I get to I get to fly this plane I get to fly this plane, and then there's this man that also wants to serve and there is a service yeah and there's a servant aspect of me on that airplane I mean these people mm-hmm. come on this airplane and they don't even see. The people, the men and women that are up on that flight deck. Yeah, they've got no idea what it takes to, yeah. And, you know, what I want to say to them right now is it is an absolute honor Mm. and privilege. And I get to fly you, and this boy is excited to fly you, but the man wants to serve. Mm -hmm. And I can go so much further beyond the way that I serve. And so that is New York University student. Something else came to mind is you want to talk about men and love or ask you, what's your experience of love with your fellow men? And is there anything about that experience of love that is different or distinct as a man or between your fellow men, you know, as as in contrast to kind of love in general or or love with women or like is there anything specific about the love of men that you that you in your experience i think interesting about the love of men because i was having a conversation uh with a man that i love and respect yesterday and that second word respect i don't know that we we necessarily in our culture um put respect in the family of love. It is, it is a member of that family. And I think when men in culture hear love, they're like, Oh, well that's uh, romantic love or that's uh, physical love. It's sex. Mm-hmm. Um, but all my 22 years in, in the Navy as an aviator and a staff officer, um, there was love for these men, you know, mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. it was, it was mm. respect, you know, of, of who they were. Um, but I never necessarily experienced it as love because I just thought love was, you know, family love, romantic love, sexual love. Right. Um, but I'm realizing that this brotherly love is something that we've missed out on and how deep it can be. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, on the pitch or the gridiron or in, in the, in the arena. Um, you know, I'm really appreciating going deeper and then also the lightness of all of it too, that mm-hmm. it's still, it's still an expression of love. Yeah. You know, and how do I express that? What just happened there, you know, it's like what you said about your past experience, for example, as a pilot, the respect that now in retrospect, you can see that respect as a, in the context of love, kind of as a type of love, an aspect of love. Yeah. But at the time, you, you didn't think of it that way. And that now talking about, as you were starting to talk about love, you know, with friends and, you know, fe- fellow men and, you know, in the present, it became sort of hard to explain 
it, it, it seems. And my hypothesis about love is that the story that we have about love is that men are not so much part of that story, really. Um, and I'm talking about the long arc of culture here at the moment. That the story of love is, is something that, you know, men just kind of touch into, but have been away from in a big way. Because, you know, men went away to work, men went away to war, men, you know, aren't, weren't at home once we, be, once we began to do agriculture and industry, right? And in the story of love kind of was written, so to speak. You know, it's more of a feminine thing. It's more of a thing about women and children that if we're lucky, we earn our way to, part, to being able to participate in. Um, and that what men have to bring to love... Well, we, 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 we don't know a lot of what that is, actually. We just haven't seen a lot of it yet because we haven't had the opportunity. Um, but that there is a lot that, you know, that love can kind of be larger in a way than it is. And not that there are things, not, that, not to say that, like, respect is something that, you know, men, only men do, and that's an aspect of male love, mm-hmm. you know, that isn't an aspect of, love in general well of course it is but i do think there are things there are there are parts of love that men can and and have to contribute to love that we that that we haven't seen enough of yet there's a there's a huge opportunity there and and that's so much of i mean what i think is important and and I know you know what you think is important too, what you're focused on. So I'm moving into the second half of my life, and I feel like what I experienced in the first half of my life was a life of scarcity, mm-hmm. right? Um, just that's not necessarily on the face of it what reality was, but just the experience or the feeling of scarcity, and what I'm moving into now is abundance and so when you talk about love i think more about my experience of sensing the absence of love right Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. yeah guarding against that you know the absence of love and so like hardening over and like okay i don't need to experience love so i'll just go without it exactly and so exactly yeah my sense is that not having that love, the absence of it, is to just stay away from it, yep. stay away from experiencing it. And so mm-hmm. now what I'm realizing in the more of the abundance phase is that we don't really have the full experience when we're living in the absence of love. But if we, because I we're born of love, we're, we're wired for love, you know, the... The mother and the father, you know, want to love that person. You love them into existence, right? And you love them into, you know, growing and uh, developing and forming. And when that love isn't received, what happens? I mean, the data is out there. They did the experiments. They gave them the food, the water, the shelter, everything they needed, but they didn't give them love. Mm. 
and what happened to those those beings they died yeah they died a physical death and so i think about the absence of love what part of my soul dies or what part of my soul doesn't come alive and so yes. now in this abundance i want to receive love i want to 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 give love i want to receive love and so look at how my soul and my spirit grows and richer that. yeah richer, richer. yeah but like if you didn't feel that you could experience that or you were away from love, you were in the absence of love, then yeah. you, then what did I do? I know what I did and I sensed that the other men in my family and histories, they closed down to it. But we're wired for love and so when any of that even comes along, you're like, oh, hey, let's get that. And then, oh, quickly it goes away, at least perceived to go away. So well, I just say more love, man. Yeah, more love. Yeah, for sure. Well, you just said it, you know, a couple of pieces of this, you know, that in not experiencing love or enough love in your life at certain times, certainly in my life, you know, the our response is often to close off to it, go away from it and to start telling the story that we don't need it after all, you know, and, and more even than just each of us telling us ourselves that story individually that's something that we've told ourselves culturally you know now for centuries that men don't really need love and what we've come to believe so to speak or you hear this a lot it's like well yeah well men don't really need love as much or want love as much you know they you know that just you know it's just how men are and no it's the opposite it's that we've come to tell ourselves that story to exp to to try to, to sort of make ourselves feel better to try to live with the fact that we don't have enough of it. Yeah, to live, I think, to survive. Yeah, to, to survive. survive without it. It tells ourselves a story that kind of explains yep. the circumstance, but it's, it's not the case at all. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to be liked? Who doesn't want to belong? I think, you know, belonging is, again, in, in the... If, if there's a uh, periodical chart of love, there's so many different elements. Mm -hmm. How many... How many elements are are there on the periodical chart? How many elements are there of love? Yeah. You know, I think of that song. Um, I forget who sings it, but he says, uh, you know, how do you do? And what he's really saying is, I love you. There's so many different elements mm -hmm. and ways that we can express, I see you, mm -hmm. which is, I love you. I respect you. I appreciate you. Yeah, well, that's that's another good one. You know, the seeing. Are there just any anything else come to mind when you think about your now? You know, your connections with other men. You know, your like what other aspects come to mind as as uh, components of of love? I think expression, play, camaraderie, uh, brotherhood, just like space holding, like just listening. Yeah. Know? presence yeah presence yeah deep deeply present like expansively present energetically present mm -hmm. um you know i think about our phones and how they take how my phone and these things actually take me out and what i'm what i'm experiencing right now is the presence of you in the presence of me just like real presence mm -hmm. and you know just appreciating again that this will be in my library. You know, the boy still gets excited about airplanes, and so I'm seeing an airplane uh -huh. fly over the San Francisco Bay yeah. at a couple hundred feet. And and what I think about is, man, those 
those fuckers are having a blast right now. <laughs> yeah. It, they're going by uh, Alcatraz, and there's a lot of joy and honor and privilege to flying these uh, these big wide-body airplanes and going long, faraway places, but there's nothing like that. I mean, it's just... Yeah, fucking pure joy. And and I think in a lot of ways, you know, back to the love and closing myself off is I, I I kind of close myself off from experiencing that pure joy mm. each and every time. And so when I'm up there and it's mm. you know, it's my my turn, my leg to fly the airplane, is I do find myself slowing down and breathing and grounding myself and going I experience my joy and happiness of what it is that I'm doing. So right awesome. This yeah. moment. Yeah. Without that, taking myself out. That's a, just so great to hear because that's, of course, what I picture. You know, you know, you tell me you're flying to Amsterdam or, or, or Istanbul or something like that. And I picture myself up in the front of the plane and I'm just like, fuck, yeah, this is amazing. I'm driving a plane through the sky, man. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and of course, I'm sure the reality for a lot of pilots is they're like, Check, check, procedure number nine, six, nine or twelve delta, and they're just sitting there half asleep, flipping switches, you know, because you got to follow these procedures. And We're not half asleep, and yeah. I don't fly to Istanbul. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah, right, you know. <laughs> but you just described to me like being able to access this excitement and joy again. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the cognitive space and, you know, being mm. out of it. And so like, I'm feeling, I'm noticing this excitement come up in me and, um, you know, there's a pecking order and it's really, uh, it's, there's no, um, merit for what position your one sits in the flight deck. It's really based on how much time you've been there and what choice you've made. So it's a seniority. Um, so often the captain sets the space, the energy. Mm-hmm. And what the excitement was about was like feeling into the excitement of, all right, so now I'm the captain and I said, I'm setting the leadership and saying before we step into and go through all these checklists, It's going to be a little woo-woo for you pilot dudes and dudettes, but I'm going to slow down right now. I'm going to invite you to slow down and take a breath and just feel into that part of you that wanted to fly airplanes. That's first and foremost. Right, and it's just like, it's so freaking awesome. (laughs) Right, and the second part is the respect that these people give you, not only our cabin crew, but the people that come onto this aircraft that don't even see you they may not even hear you but they trust you yeah and so make good decisions yeah yeah and that's all i have to say pre-flight checklist the one more thing comes to mind as we kind of start to wrap it up here is i wanted to get back to ask you about um the somatic experience that you've you've illustrated really just in you've talked about you know in the moment here as we've been talking um you've expressed some of that when did that be i don't know how did you get into that where did that come from and 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 what does that stuff mean to you what what does it even mean 
you know, somatic. How did I get into the somatic? Is that is that the question? Well, I mean, you've what I'm saying is I've heard you as we've been talking here. There's several times you've you've expressed this directly. Like I'm feeling you're feeling this in your body, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so I can tell it's something that you're paying attention to and that you're you're aware of to the point where you're you're you feel it's important to surface that to, mm-hmm. to even to not just notice it but also to express it right and so why and what is that so it's interesting because um you know words have meanings and people say feel what do you feel you know that is that a cognitive thing yeah uh, so what i the word that I use is what am I sensing in my body? Yeah. The interesting thing is that, you know, I think about the, the arc of a human life and, um, the small human knows when they're hungry, they sense it in their body. Yeah. That's interoception is interoception. the, The word for that interoception is the sensations the actual physical sensations right. on the, the interior of our body. That right. feeling, the physical feeling, for example, of being hungry is is interoception. Okay. Right. And so I think about sensations in our body that are pretty, you know, basic survival senses. Um, you know, I'm surviving not wetting my pants because I have the sensation of a full bladder, and so I know you know, what to go do that. And I have a sensation of, you know, maybe a dryness in my mouth. So I sense I need to drink water and the sensation of hunger. You know, the interesting thing about that hunger is, um, how often it's cognitive until one has actually gone to a place of complete dehydration or bonking. Like I've bonked, Mm -hmm. you know, on a bike where it's like, you fall my, over, <laughs> fall over my head swimming. Yeah. Uh, I can't do anything except just lay on the ground and actually noticing before that in subsequent uh, moments or subsequent bike rides or experiences of going, I can feel in my body. I can sense in my body when it's hungry. Yeah. So this present in us, as you said, intro interoception, interoception. Yeah. It wasn't until I encountered the Everyman Method and this man who uh, was really the the father of it, um, who was a rolfer and was wanting to know more about his own experience, uh, Owen Marcus, was that he realized our bodies tell us something first, which tells us we need to have a bio break. You know, it tells us we need to eat food or drink water what is it telling us about what our experience is, right? Cause I don't want to go into emotion. So what is my experience? And so mm-hmm. yeah. it's been a practice yeah. and in yeah. sensing it and then expressing it. Yeah. What I noticed even in this, in this uh, time that we spent together is yeah. that I sense it. I say it out loud. It's actually deepening my experience and it's yeah. expanding. So I think yeah. of um, maybe a bubble getting a little bit of air in it and now it's getting more air blowing into it so literally breathing into that sensation and it expands yes and i get it i get it where it's like ah, i don't want to feel that well 
you know, are you contained in four walls where like feeling that won't actually take you out physically? You know, is somebody going to attack that? Well, that's our, that's our masculine culture is like, I'm going to take advantage of that. Not in this, not in this uh, brotherhood that I'm in, you know, this, this experience is like, Mm -hmm. it's fucking honored. Yeah. It's respected. It's love. You know, our mind isn't just in our brain and our body, it's all connected. It's all together. And, you know, thoughts are not feelings and our emotions, what we feel, you know, that's the reason that the word is feel, you know, we think of our emotions as things as kind of not physical feelings, but what we're talking about here, what you're talking about, what you've been expressing are the physical feelings that underlie emotions. And so many of us, you know, we just, we're, not just men, but certainly men a lot, you know, are often kind of disconnected from emotions. Again, uh, not just men, people. Um, and so what I find is, and, and what I feel even when you voice you, these physical sensations is it gives me a way to understand how you are feeling that is not abstract. It's grounded in physical reality. Um, and, it and yes, it so it deepens the experience for you know for for both of us for for you and for me. Yeah, and I think in the fast thinking cognitive brain, without practice, one might go, "Oh, you said you have a wetness behind your eyes, so you're crying. What are you sad about?" Oh, blah, 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 blah. like, let us just slow down. Yeah, you know, and go. Okay, take that information, right. maybe sense it connect to it connect yeah. to, to connect to how may, i've had that experience i think right. that's in being with me another element in the periodic table of love yes yes um, yes well yeah I, yeah so it, it, it is a practice and i love the practice of it and yeah i can tell yeah. i i don't I think partly because I don't think that I'm I'm especially uh, articulate with the word. You know, I don't I don't you know. You, uh, I'm I'm inspired by, you know, your use of words, and uh, I like I'm not even saying that word correctly again that you said earlier. <laughs> well, uh, I just learned it the other day, but it is that it word interoception. Interoception. Yep. For me, because. You know, there there are levels. There's like thought, emotion, feeling. This enteros, it's like internal perception, interoception. Again, the physical feelings in the body, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you just these things are all connected at different levels. I think because of my pathology, my path behind me, Mm -hmm. um, the forming of the path that I'm on now, but the path behind me is that I didn't necessarily know and i think our culture doesn't necessarily yeah guide us into the sensations the somatic sensations and as you pointed out earlier you know it's not just our cognitive brain that is our brain that's that's speaking to us it's it's everything and you know what's the you know i've heard the term belly brain you know there that is our second brain like i feel it in my gut you know what's my intuition like there's Absolutely, and I'm realizing it's the whole of our nervous system. It's not yeah, it's just the whole a body, thinking really. I thing. Mean, it's yeah. like, what are you, 
what are your what are you feeling? I mean, where where does your body want to go? What does your body want to do? Right. Yeah. And then then being given permission internally and externally to do that. Where does your body want to go? Okay, we'll do it. It's also a, just a great way speaking of practice, you know, it's just a great way, it's a great way to practice just expressing the basic truth of what's going on mm-hmm. for yourself. You know, just saying, "Hey, look, I feel, you know, I feel this. I feel hot in my chest. I feel tight. I feel, you know, tingling. Mm-hmm. I feel something." So that's what we mean. That's what people when people talk about somatic practice, I mean, it just refers to physical feeling. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what that word refers to. Um and paying attention to the the physical reality of what your body actually is feeling and knowing that that is true and knowing that that's connected to everything else that's going on for you. Yeah. And you know, I don't know, this, this is your podcast, but I'm thinking of a thing of closing out that I actually invite people to do, you know, we're, we're making this a Pink Floyd reference. So I think about music, somatic sensation. So yeah, if you've been to a live, uh, event, just allow yourself to be back in that place when your favorite song comes on feel that song in your body hear that song in your mind's ear and see if you don't sense it in your body with a tingle or something like that and play that actually play that music and especially impactful to me is the live version there's the studio version but play like i'm just feeling the tingle in my body right now just even sensing into it play that song the live version and tell me if you don't sense it in your body i love it that's a great uh great technique i mean the music is so powerful you know and Mm -hmm. i just think immediately back to going to see van halen when i was 13 Mm. you know (laughs) yeah yeah and that music still to me now just brings me so, alive. Yeah. So can right I slow, back at that? Can age. I slow you down into that? Sure. You sure. know, cl- I don't know. Maybe close your eyes and just <laughs> hear what song is it, Bowen? Yeah. Well, it probably wasn't on. I don't think Hot for Teacher was on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Album. I think it was probably later. Yeah. But like that, the double bass. You know, Alex Van Halen used mm. you know, two bass drums on stage, and that song starts with a like a, a big bass drum. Yeah, and, and so what do you? Intro. What's one sensation in your body right now? Uh, yeah, well, there's like a uh, uh, hmm, rumbling mm-hmm. kind of. It's the bass, but it's it's I can feel it in my in my belly and in my yeah. like in my thighs. Yeah. Um and there's a like a a a a good tension like a strength in my neck actually and in my in my shoulders. It's like an anticipation mm-hmm. of this building, this action. Um I mean that's what the drums, you know, dun, 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 it's like a big yeah. drum roll kind of thing, you know. It's fantastic. And what's that in your face and your <laughs> eyes right now? Well, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's joy and enjoyment, you Mm. know, um, and energy, energy, energy. Yeah. Um, the, um, 
the energy of that song and so many of their songs and many songs, you know, that's what songs do is they they build right to a point. They're kind of they're building energy and then, you know, like expressing it in waves. Right. There you go, folks. There's <laughs> somatic sensations. So somatic sensing and expressing of feelings right there. Yeah. And I got to sit here and see it. Right. You know? And if I slow down, I actually felt it in my own body. That is connection to me. That is on the periodic table of love. Uh-huh. There we go. The periodic table of love. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, Roddy. So so great to talk with you, man. And it's been great to have you here these last few days. I mean, seriously, brother, I'm just I'm so glad you jumped on a plane and came out here yeah. and that uh, we had the opportunity to spend a bunch of time here together. You know, I said this to you just, you know, two or three weeks ago. And this was, of course, after, you know, uh, we our adventure your yeah. adventure in corsica right yeah. and and i said to you on the phone i was running down the trail on mount tam so our connection wasn't very good you know but i said that i want to tell you that our relationship is a love relationship that's what it is yep right that's yep. what it is and people aren't used to talking that way or 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 thinking of of Relations, certainly of relations between, you know, male friends in that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. But it's now so clear to me, so clear to me from relationships like ours and like with, you know, many other men that I know um, that they that they are love relationships. Mm-hmm. And those relationships have 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 taught me so much about love. Thank you, Bowen. Thank you for this time. And it reminds me of the love that I have for my brothers and my sisters in uniform. And I feel the joy in my heart of how I want to help those people. Mm -hmm. There's too many of them that go alone and then they go away. Mm. And it is in me it is the ethos that you don't leave anyone behind Mm -hmm. so if you hear this i'm here for you will you let me help you it brings so much joy to my heart and my being to be your brother bowen dwelly and all of you men out there that i've flown with i deeply care about you as you have cared about me. Thank you, and good night. Thanks, and good night. <laughs> yeah, brother. Oh, well, I really feel that, man, and I feel that, yeah. you know, that's, what dri- that's what's driving you into this next chapter of your life. How is it that people can get in touch with you, Roddy McDowell? Roddy Pilot at Gmail, or I am Roddy Pilot on Instagram. Perfect. Thanks, Roddy. We'll put those in the show notes along with everything else we've mentioned. Thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me today. It's been a great pleasure. All right, that's it for now. We'll do another one soon. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the conversation, please do share it with a friend and make sure you're subscribed at decidenothing.substack.com where all of my writing and audio lives. 
hey, and most of all, if this brought something up for you, if you felt something, if you have a reaction, if you have some thoughts or suggestions about topics you'd like to see me explore in the future, just leave a comment there on the Substack site, or you can also reach me by email from there as well. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you tune in again soon.